episode of 15 Minute You. It's that most wonderful time of year, bowl season. I'm Evan Winsork, and that's my brother Matt. Bowl season. <laughs> bowl season. We are here to give you a breakdown of everything that happened last week in college football and a preview of next week. We're both in the great state of Ohio, though not the same room just yet. Oh, wait. Matt, I was at... Ooh. <laughs> it's okay if you don't it's okay if you don't finish it i think okay okay man i was at a wedding this weekend between the ceremony the reception the rehearsal i missed both fcs games but that semifinal looked exciting i did catch the highlights that ysu game the ending was awesome yeah, dude. But which game was more exciting FCS semifinals let me say you better have some really good friends you're gonna miss both those games for all their wedding shenanigans <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, they're good friends. Shout out to Jose and Katie Gutierrez, Delaroyal. Yeah, yeah. The wedding better have been awesome, too. <laughs> it was. So, both games were great. The JMU and Eastern Washington both controlled tempo for the majority of the games. JMU really took it to North Dakota State Friday night. They were up 17-7 and a half and never really looked back. It's an impressive, impressive win over the five-time defending champions. Eastern Washington... As you were watching that game Saturday night, similarly, controlled tempo against YSU. They were up on the Penguins 24-10 right before half. YSU put in a, a touchdown to close it to 24-17 at half. But then to start the fourth, Eastern Washington's up again 31-20. And they were still up by four with less than four to go. So as I'm watching yeah. the game, I, you know, I was rooting for the Penguins, but I was like, man, I don't know. They, they just could never get the lead. Until there's four yeah. seconds left, they got the ball in the Eagles' six, and then, you know, it comes down to that final play. I mean, that catch is going to go down in FCS playoff lore forever and ever. Speaking of that catch, yeah. when the receiver came down with it, did you know it was a touchdown immediately? When I watched the highlights, the announcers didn't really seem certain of that. Yeah, well, the back official rules it a touchdown pretty quickly. And so, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's unorthodox, so anytime that kind of catch happens, you pause for a second. But watching it in real time... Obviously, the quarterback was going to that slant route no matter what. He's not open. It's completely covered and just makes a hell of a play to pin the ball in the back of the defender. But he takes two steps-ish and then goes down to the ground. I mean, that's a football move. That's a catch to catch to catch. Yeah. Well, both the underdogs won. Yeah. Who looked better? Well, you know, in the FCS format, you're playing at at the home site of the home team. So it's not even a neutral site. So got to be impressed with both teams. I I could see either taking the FCS title right now, but I think the the nod's got to go to James Madison and beating the five-time defending champion oh, yeah. in the Fargo Dome. I mean, huge, huge win. So let's talk about some people who had less than impressive weeks. Let's start with oh, it, right. starting with the newly crowned Florida Atlantic head coach, Mr. Lane Kiffin. Why does Yo Lane boy. decide to go to Florida Atlantic? Well, one of two things. I think either his relationship is with Saban is worse than we thought, or he has a higher opinion of himself. I'm thinking a little of both. No. Know. I know. Lane's got a bit of an ego. Breaking no. news. Um, but, man, Saban's got to be a rough guy to work for, regardless of how much you learn. Like, dude's just ordinary all the time. Rough guy to work for? You're getting a master's degree in winning NCAA titles and creating dynasties. What are you whining about? I, I mean, I'm just saying what I think he thinks. Does Stop Lane yelling. become a Power 5 head coach ever again? If he wins, of course he will. Because that's <laughs> what he's there for. 
Uh, he's there to prove that he can be a head coach again. I think both sides understand that this relationship will last at most three years, especially if he's winning. Yeah. If he doesn't win, I still think we'll see him in the Power Five, just not as a head coach, probably as an offensive coordinator. You, you have to give the man credit. He is good as that, uh, despite all the shit we give him. Agrees. So I, I just don't know why you wouldn't want to stay at Alabama and keep rolling with it. So did Saban or, or both Kiffin know ahead of time Kevin's going to bounce at the end of the year, which is why they brought Sark on early this fall. This is your favorite tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. I was right. I was right. I certainly don't think Saban knew. I, I've always moved viewed that move as Kiffin hooking up his boy. Maybe <laughs> Kiffin knew, like, deep down in his heart he was going to try and leave. I think, you know, there's a lot of rumors that he was telling everyone at Bama after the Houston interview right. he was going to get the job, he was going to get the job, and then he didn't get the job. So maybe he knew deep down, but no, I, I don't think your conspiracy theory is correct. You don't watch enough House of Cards, my friend. They knew <laughs> in September. <laughs> Sark's the OC. All right, let's move on to mouth breather number two. So, current Wake Forest radio commentator, Tommy Elrod, former player, former Demon Deacon assistant coach. Given that, he starts handing out plays to Louisville and Virginia Tech that we know of so far over the last two years. Do you have any, like, analysis behind his motivation for doing this? I mean, a couple ideas. Just stupid. He's jealous. Petty person. Overall, just a petulant child. I I don't understand. It's just... He did it. He does it because he doesn't get picked up as an assistant coach during a coaching transition. I just don't see how you could do this to your alma mater, especially when you got you get on a job to cover them as a media personality. Like, come on, right. man, you would not have right. gotten that job if you weren't a former player. So, couldn't you kind of view this as like they were still helping you out? You still had a paycheck to bring home yeah. to your family. Which, oh yeah, you're not going to have that paycheck anymore. At least not in FBS football. I wouldn't want him anywhere near the Michigan locker room, as a fan of Michigan yeah. in any capacity. And I imagine most people around the country would say the same to their teams that they're fans of. And quite frankly, I wouldn't well, want to work with Elrod, period. He just seems like a very petty pair. I This was unbelievably dumb and selfish. Movie. If we can't trust you to back your own alma mater where you played and then coached, you can't be trusted yeah. to work anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Louisville and Virginia Tech both ended up being fined 25000 by the ACC for accepting this information. What are your thoughts on the punishment? I mean, that's nothing. Twenty-five k for these athletic departments, that's chump change. I, you know, I'm not saying like the, all the teams should get the death penalty. We need to shut down the programs. But if you're going to fine them, at least make something that actually hurts the pocketbook. Yeah. I, you know, certainly something north of hundred k. Louisville yeah. Stadium seats 55,000 people times, you know, 50 bucks a ticket. That's... Over $2 million. So you're only going to find twenty-five k. Come on now. What are your thoughts? I actually think forget about the fines. I think we look at how the NCAA or conferences do punishments. This is one of the situations in which it makes the most sense to vacate the wins. Louisville should have to give up their yep. wins against Wake Forest. So should Virginia Tech. You know, the whole like Sandusky thing at Penn State and they had to forfeit wins over a, a decade. I mean, it's deplorable and disgusting, Sandusky's behavior, but... Is that actually going to impact whether they beat those teams or not? I don't think so. Now, you getting plays ahead of time and knowing what the other team runs, that's actually going to change whether you're going to beat the other team. Vacate the wins. Forget the fine. The fine is BS, I think. Fair. Well put. Matt, while we're just talking about depressing things, though. Yeah. Speaking of Sandusky, earlier this week, the video concerning Oklahoma running back Joe Mixon was released where he punched that woman 
in the bar in downtown Norman. This incident happened about two years ago. I mean, pretty serious situation all around. He claims that she provoked him with racial slurs. Mm -hmm. Even still, I mean, he broke her jaw. It was wired shut. Couldn't eat solid foods. Mix's punishment was he was suspended for the entire season, came back. What do you think, for starters, what do you think took so long to release the video? This did happen two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think in incidents not even limited to college football, we've seen, you know, these holds on the videos that we know are going to spark outrage with these fixer lawyers that come in and find some loophole that keeps the video under wraps. I mean, I still keep going back to that outside the lines report on like fixer lawyers that work in college towns to help out athletes. Who knows? I mean, what is my gut instinct? I think that that was the case here. I mean, it's a terrible look for Joe Mixon, terrible look for the University of Oklahoma and for college football in general. So let's keep it under wraps as long as possible. And then I'm sure it's part of the deal for him to be able to come back. Like this video has got to come out, which is why it comes out this week. Yeah. Well, what are your, so what are your thoughts on the punishment now that you've seen the video? Yeah. Too little, too much, about right. Does the video change your thoughts on the punishment? The video can't change people's thoughts on the punishment. I mean, we got to be as outraged. Because in the description that they wrote originally, it's exactly what you see in the video. Punched her in the jaw, her face hits the table, four bones are broken, her jaw is wired shut. I mean, what we're talking about here is like different learning types, right? You have... What we, yeah. get in the video, what we get in the video is visual learning compared to auditory or read-write learning that we get from reading a report, okay? Same thing. So we're having a different type of emotional reaction seeing it on there, but like the punishment can't change. Like in Ray Rice being suspended two games, then we realize he actually knocked his wife to the floor coming up in the elevator yeah. and he's suspended for the whole season. The difference in that, though, is the NFL tried to hide the severity. Well, of what happened. Right, they said, right, if you right, saw right. the video, you would understand why we only suspended him two games. Then we saw the video and we said, I don't get that suspension at all. So punching women in the face, though, has to be punching women in the face. Whether I'm hearing oh, about yeah. it, reading about it, or watching it on a Fair. video, punching a woman in the face, you did this, this is your punishment. So speaking of the punishment, he set out a year. So then the debate is like, is that harsh enough? Should he be able to come back and play now? You know, Paul Feinbaum lost his mind that Oklahoma let him back in. I guess it would have been fair, in my opinion, if he is released by Oklahoma and then, you know, eligible to play somewhere else if another school is willing to take a chance on him. We've seen Alabama and Baylor both take in players who had incidents of domestic violence at another school, were released by that team, and then went, unfortunately, in those two situations to have other incidents at Alabama, at Baylor. What I'm yeah. looking for from Joe Mixon is, one, I want to see him be accountable for the incident. Two, you want to see him be remorseful. And three, that he's shown actual like growth and learning that not only was I wrong, but I'm never, ever going to do something like that again. Do I think that yeah. you're going to be punished for life for this and like I'm never able to play football again? I don't know. I, I think as a country, like we're still growing on what's an appropriate reaction to this kind of situation. He hasn't been able to speak so far, so it's hard for me to tell if he is accountable or even remorseful. Yeah. Well, while we're sitting down here at rock bottom, let's shift our focus and talk about some things going on in Minneapolis. All right. So 10 Minnesota football players suspended from the team after accusations of sexual assault. These suspensions triggered an entire football team boycott of all football-related activities starting Tuesday as the team's preparing for the holiday poll on December 27th. Quick background, team wins their opener against Oregon State September 2nd. They have a party at which they were hosting a recruit, and in September, four Minnesota players were initially suspended for three games uh, while police investigated allegations by the same woman. No arrests or charges were made. Players 
who maintained that sex was consensual uh, were eventually reinstated after a judge lifted a restraining order. This week, though, the university said it holds its students to higher standards than those applied by the law and announced suspension of 10 players, which caught the team off guard on Tuesday. Evan, we don't have all the facts on this, although the 82-page report was released by the university that helped lead to the suspension of the 10 players. What's your reaction to the suspensions and the team's boycott? Yeah, I mean, so earlier last week, you know, I was kind of on the fence about it because not all the details have been released. The report had been released. There was some speculation that 10 of the suspended players were uninvolved in the incident and were suspended anyways. There was also a rumor that head coach Tracy Clays had handed down the suspension without the conclusions of the investigations. This, by the way, not true. Said players were suspended by the University of Minnesota Equal Opportunity Office, not the head coach. But yesterday, the official report was released. You can find it online pretty easily. It's pretty disturbing. Multiple football players are involved. A, a recruit is involved in the actual act. And while it's going on, multiple players are walking in and out of the room, like turning the lights on, making jokes. And that's why those players were suspended, because in the later investigation, they denied that that woman was even in the room when other witnesses said, like, no, he walked in on it, he saw it. And then you also have, like, similar things that have happened at Yale and a couple other Ivy Leagues. You have these, like, emails, these group text message chains where these players are just saying totally horrendous things about women and the girls at these parties and specifically the victim. And then late last week, you also had current and former players on social media, you had current wide receiver shot still saying that there will be justice when the victim is in handcuffs. You have former Minnesota Gophers wide receiver Tyrone Carter actually tweeting out her name and personal information. The whole thing, just by late last week, the whole boycott is just disgusting to say the least um i think the suspensions are warranted for everyone involved i mean like the university said i have no problem with football players being held to a higher standard than the law because they are reps of the university every single weekend and obviously those directly involved with the incident should be suspended if not expelled well and we got tracy clays out there saying this is about due process we want to make sure that people get due process get due process like one this happened in september you already tried to get off the hook for it. And you guys, are, what it also needs to be about is about you guys being accountable. And you're not so at all. When yeah. You're like, I wasn't even in the room. And you're walking in and out and turning the lights off. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, it's it's incredibly disappointing. Agreed. So, let's look, what, what do we have to look forward to this weekend? Well, looking forward to pick them, right? Yeah. It's bowl season. Most wonderful time. So, you want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's pick them. All right. So, quick recap of last week. Matt, it was a bit of a bloodbath. This was the first week that you and I have losing records. We both went four for five in week one of bowl season, so hopefully we'll do a little bit better. We have the AFR Celebration Bowl. We both picked Grambling. Matt, fun fact, did you know that, that the Celebration Bowl was settled when the refs gave a penalty on North Carolina Central for excessive celebration. Really? How about that? How about that? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Ironically named, huh? (laughs) And then I'm not going to get into all the ones we were wrong because we were wrong on a lot of them, but I do want to point out Division Three National Championship, the best bowl name ever, the Stag Bowl, my prom date, Mary Hard Baylor. What up, victory over... Took the victory over Wisconsin, Oshkosh. <laughs> Congrats on your championship game, fellas. Congrats. Now, getting into week two of Bowl Week, we got a 
quite a few games, only a couple we disagree on, so quickly to go through the ones we agree. On Tuesday, we got the Boca Raton Bowl featuring Memphis versus Western Kentucky. We're both taking Memphis. Western Kentucky's been looking good all season, but, you know, Jeff Brom, DePar, they're going to be coached by Nick Holt. I just think that slight edge is going to give it to Memphis. Then we have on Wednesday the San Diego Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl, BYU versus Wyoming. We're both taking the Cowboys. Thursday, we have the famous Idaho Potato Bowl featuring Idaho versus Colorado State. We're both given Idaho advantage with that nice home field that they get. Then we have also on Friday, Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Louisiana Tech versus Navy. We're both taking the middies. Also Friday, I think this is the last Friday game, we have the Dollar General Bowl, o- Ohio, <laughs> OU versus Troy. OU is a good-looking team, in my opinion. They gave Western a battle in the MAC, but uh, Troy looks even better under Brown, uh, Coach Neil Brown. And they both played common opponent Texas State. OU lost a close one. Troy absolutely rolled. So look for Troy to take the win in this one. On Christmas Eve, we have the Hawaii Bowl. We have Hawaii versus Middle Tennessee State. Both taking Hawaii. I mean, that time zone change is not going to be easy for Middle Tennessee State. Now, to get to the two bowl games that we disagree on, for the folks at home, the common thread is Matt hates Michigan directionals. Oh, come on. on. on, On Monday, we have the Miami Beach Bowl. Central Michigan versus Tulsa. You took Tulsa. I took Central. On Friday, we have the Popeyes Bahamas Bowl in the Bahamas. Has to be the best non-major bowl game. To get to. <laughs> um, you have Eastern Michigan versus Old Dominion. I'm taking Eastern. You're taking Old Dominion. Matt, why do you hate Michigan Directionals? Yeah, I got a lot of love for Michigan Directionals. Okay, please. But please, no I got two other things to consider. Number one, I only have so many weeks to catch up to you in pick them and take the crown. That's rightfully mine. So. That's one factor. Number two, I got to give the people what they want, Evan. And they want good picks here, and so I'm going to give it to them. You're taking a 6-6 six and six Central Michigan team over a 9-3 and three Tulsa team. Not going to be able to do it. Then, you're taking a similar 7-5 and five Eastern Michigan team over a really scrappy Old Dominion team. I think that's also sitting at 9-3. and three. And I, They're just superior teams. Not that I don't, I don't got love for Michigan directional schools, because I got it. I got it. I just... Yeah, I need you to do a little bit more for me. Whatever you say, man. Whatever so, you say. We shall see. But, Evan, you know what comes in clutch this time of year? Besides What's that? knowing how to pick them? Uh-huh. It's Amazon Prime. Uh, that two-day really shipping. Is. That two-day shipping. That two-day shipping. There so, are just five free. days of shopping left before Christmas Eve. In case you haven't finished decorating your apartment in Monterey, I came up with some suggestions of wall art in the form of fatheads. Ready? You know I love good fathead. <laughs> so fathead is meant to be a little joking part of our show here. So we're not going to put Joe Mixon on the list just because what he did was just too too real and too inappropriate. So you're not even we're not, even, we're not putting you up on a wall anywhere, Joe Mixon, for right now. So people that we might decorate our walls with, though, maybe fathead nominee number one, newly crowned Florida Atlantic head coach, Mr. Lane. For reasons that are understandable, you take a lower status job for reasons that are unbeknownst to anybody. Youngstown State running back Martin Ruiz facing firearm charges from an arrest last week, the week of the FCS semifinal. Come on, guy. Come on. Smooth moves, Ferguson. Yikes. Yikes. Your boy, Tommy Elrod, former Wake Forest player, assistant coach, commentator. And all-around 
Brutus. <laughs> All around Brutus, right. And last thing I want to throw out there, Leonard Fournette not playing in the LSU bowl game. What? That, it makes no sense. To like, focus on the draft? Running back, you only have a certain amount of games. Skip a season then. Don't just skip the, the bowl game. What do you well, call the combine? You're really going to focus for the combine? I mean, him and Elrod. And Martin, too, though. Those, like, those are the least team player moves you can possibly make. Get arrested yeah. the week before the semifinal. Give plays to the other team, or just be like, you know what? I'm not playing. I got to. I got to look out for me. Yikes! Thank you so much for listening, folks. It's been another episode of Thank 15 you. Minute You. Enjoy this most wonderful time of the year. Taking bowl games all week, starting tonight with the Miami Beach Bowl. I'm Matt, Matt Wazorek. That's my brother Evan Wazorek. Merry Christmas from the both of us, and a happy New Year. Remember, folks, don't pick them like my brother, and don't pick them like my brother. It's the most wonderful time. I honestly think it's negligible. <laughs>